It's Tuesday, May 18th, 2021, and you're listening to episode 569 of Hear the Boot, a show about tabletop role-playing games and a little bit more. Running time for this episode is 56 minutes. Welcome to Fear the Boot. My name is Dan. This is Wayne. My name's Chad. No Brodor, no, no Laura, just three of us. Yeah. It's very, very lonely here. Mm-hmm. Well, Charlie's here, but he yeah. doesn't have a lot to say on role-playing games, at least yeah. not in English. Yeah. But he looks happy. So, when I was in college, before I dropped out, mm-hmm. with like three quarters of a degree... Which still agitates my mom. She wants me to go. <laughs> she wants me to go back and finish a degree. Why? I, that's kind of what I ask. Is at this point, apart from bragging rights, I've got a well-established career. Yeah. Why would I go back to college? But so when I started, my degree major was in specifically biology or mm-hmm. cellular biology, and the idea was that I was setting myself up to get a bachelor's in cellular or molecular biology and then go out somewhere to the coast to get a master's really in marine biology away from that. Yeah, yeah I hard. did switch <laughs> to English, but actually most of the classes that I took were sociology and psychology. Mm-hmm. So that's why I know as much as I do about sociology and psychology and things like that is because that's where I spent most of my college because I decided to knock out all of my electives right up front. Mm. And I spent all of my required humanities or soft sciences or whatever they called it on psychology and social psychology or sociology. And in all of that, okay, so we went through abnormal psych. And within psychology, and I don't know where it is today, but at least at the time, they had this category of different delusions that a person could have and the most well-known is the delusion of grandeur oh oh no mistaken there yeah this was this was before all that (laughs) cat ears are a real thing now where yes way delusion i'm a tree or something but yeah no there's like delusions of grandeur is the most common Mm. one where somebody thinks they're more important than they are more integral to an operation that's not a delusion (laughs) but one of them that they talked about and i don't know if this is still a diagnostic thing or not because the dsm has gone through a version or two since then but it was a delusion of reference it's basically when you think that people are talking about or focusing on you when they're not Hmm. in the most extreme forms can it be a reverse of that where they are talking about you but you don't think they are well that's just being oblivious but in the delusion of reference the most extreme forms are like you're listening to a news broadcast on the TV and they say something and give this kind of knowing look to the camera and you think they're directing it at you. This is the most extreme version. Now there are more mild versions where you hear a conversation at a nearby table in a restaurant and you can kind of relate to it. So you assume they must be talking about you Mm -hmm. That they're talking about, oh, I really don't like those gamers in black t-shirts with witty sayings on them. (laughs) And so you assume that must be you, right? And it's Mm. not. They're not talking about you, but it's a mild form of delusion of reference. Well, I would swear I have a delusion of reference, (laughs) which is why I have to keep getting other people to validate me. 
So before recording this, we were in a Mexican restaurant because I hadn't eaten anything and mm-hmm. wasn't feeling real great. So we went out to get something to eat because of COVID. We've been, you know, usually just getting together and going straight to recording lately. We've not been doing the pre-recording dinners like we used to. Yeah, it's been the first time I've been inside a restaurant in a year. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so more. I tell these two, Chad and Wayne, mm-hmm. I said, there's this woman, like really tall woman, unusually tall for a woman, and 40 feet. Yeah, 40 feet tall. And she had like short black hair, and she kept coming over to our side of the restaurant. Yeah, not coming over to us. Yes, just just coming over to our side of the restaurant by. and would like go to the bathroom or find something random to fiddle with. And then would sit there and stare at me. Yeah. And this happens to me so frequently. She was super drunk, too. Maybe a little stoned. Because I was facing Dan, and so I did not see the alleged staring, which <laughs> Wayne verified. Yeah, yeah. Was doing it. It, it was, she was really ogling Dan. I had a different perspective because I saw where she was sitting that these two guys didn't. And the people she was with, these guys were on all the drugs. <laughs> okay, see, I didn't catch that part because all well, I caught is Missouri from where I was sitting was I kept seeing her walk by to do things that either didn't make any sense, mm-hmm. like she was going to the bathroom very, very, very frequently, sure, or well, that does happen with alcohol. We're just completely mm-hmm. out of context. Like she'd go over and fiddle with some things on a table, despite the fact she doesn't work there, and I would swear she's just sitting there staring at me. And this happens to me so often. I get stared at all the time that I just assume it must be a delusion of reference. That I think people are staring at me when in truth they're just looking at whatever happens to be there. And so I I told these guys, like, I think this woman's staring at me. Mm. And so Wayne, who is sitting in a position to see her, he does confirm by the end of the meal, like, no, she really is yeah. coming out of the bathroom and staring yeah. you down. Yeah, but she came out of the, it wasn't that she was looking at our table. Watching her, her eyes turn directly at Dan. Yeah. There's three of us at the table. She doesn't even notice that I turn my head to watch her walk and, by. And see, it this is, isn't like a shy, adoring glance like, oh, him. Mm. No. No. I think she was seeing through time yeah. and space yeah. and, like, and you were the locus of that. I don't care what this is about. If she thinks I'm the hottest person she's ever seen, if she thinks I'm some kind of total freak, if she thinks I'm the Antichrist, she probably thought you had six arms. It was a creepy look. I got yeah. more the Antichrist vibe. Yeah. Than the... Just come out and yeah. say yeah. it. I, I would rather just be done with the mystery. I don't know if you remember this chat. Years and years and Pizza years Hut, ago. The guy is staring at you. I handed you my camera and you took a picture of him. <laughs> yes, I remember that. <laughs> no, no, I'm going. I'm this, going... Was, this was actual camera. This is before cell phones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm talking back in the day. When Eat Right was still around, mm. and we used to eat there all the time. It was a diner called Eat Right. And I don't know if the last location still open no, or not. Most of the locations are closed. And but it was a recent close within the mm. last couple of years. Yeah, for anyone who's been to Gen Con, imagine an independent version of Steak and Shake. Yeah. That's kind of what it was like. Or a Waffle House without the yellow. Yeah, I was thinking more Waffle yeah. House because it's yeah. smaller. It's a, greasy, it's a Greasy Spoon Diner. Yeah, yeah. Local o- Greasy Spoon Old diner. Greasy Spoon Diner out of like the 50s or yeah. 60s. And Chad and I both used to get stared at so often that we said, you know what? We're going to start walking around with sawed off double barrel shotguns <laughs> with 
chains and spiked collars and all this crap wrapped around them in plain view just so we finally know why people are staring at us because both him and i people used to stare at us all the time we never knew why and it just got so bothersome it's like man we need to do something horrendous so we know why they're looking Mm -hmm. at least we can answer that question yeah, this woman either thought she knew you and was trying to figure it out, or she thought you were evil incarnate and was trying to figure out how to strike you down. I don't know what it was. I really don't. All I knew is she kept looking at me. I think she thought you were a flying warthog with spider legs. <laughs> that would be awesome. I think, uh, yeah, I think that uh, she was stoned out of her f***ing gourd. That's also possible. <laughs> and this no, is nothing against you yeah. and your radiant handsomeness. I think that she just had yeah, a no, this is all perception about, layer. In yeah, this her. is all about her look <laughs> yeah. in her eyes. Yeah, it this was, is not healthy. It was not a adoring look. No. no, I've had a few, very few women stare me down because it was an adoring thing. This was not that. Yeah. In fact, the one time this was in one of my prior jobs, I said, there's a woman that we work with, a young lady. She wasn't, mm. I say woman, but she wasn't like all that old. She's so-called young lady who, for lack of a better term, I'm use a very zoological term here. This goes back to my background in biology. She was presenting. Okay, now either you know what that means or you don't, and I'm not going to define it. She was presenting. showed him as her butthole? (laughs) (laughs) Tits, more specifically. But So I said this to a guy I was working with. I said... So if I saw Wayne's tits, he'd be presenting to me? Oh, well, yeah. If he's like going out of his way to show them just to you and not anybody else. That wouldn't happen, but Chad has presented to me quite a few times. No, I mean... As many times as I can. We'd be like at business functions for work. I guess social functions for work. And she would always sit right across from me, talk to me, wear these low-cut shirts and lean way over. Just flirting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Now, at the time I was married, why does this stuff not happen when I'm single? (laughs) I don't know. But I was married at the time, and I don't cheat. This is one of my big no-nos in life. And I said to one of the guys that I work with, I'm like, this chick has a thing for me. And he's like, I don't think so. I think you're just imagining it. And he and I had known each other a long time because we had worked multiple jobs together. We had started a job where I hired him on as an intern, and then he became a full programmer. And we went through multiple, We, like I said, we know each other a long time. And I said to this guy, I said, dude, I've known you X number of years. So if I ever said to you and all the crazy things I've said, have I ever said to you, I think this, some chick, whoever it is, has the hots for me. And he's like, no. He's like, well, there was that Betty White incident, but yeah. Yeah, well, fair enough. That's everybody. (laughs) Yeah. But he's like, thought about it. I said, no. And I said, okay, so this is an unusual thing for me to claim. I said, I want you to pay attention to how she interacts with me. And you want someone who can really read a man, get another man. You want someone who can really read a woman, get another woman. And we went to a social function for work. And two of the guys I worked with, one of them is the person that I mentioned who I'd been working a long time with. He brought his wife or maybe she was fiance at the time. I don't remember. One of the other guys had his long-term girlfriend, fiance, wife. And both of them were like, oh, my gosh, this chick really has a thing for Dan. They kind of validated that back to these coworkers that, like, she really is trying to go for him. I don't know. I I, I don't know if there's a point here to this. It's just that. <laughs> no. <laughs> it's just that my, one of the oddities yeah. of my life 
is that I get an unusual number of people that stare at me. When we were teenagers, we we went to a pizza hut. And this was back when you could go to a pizza hut and they probably didn't even deliver anything. And you sat down and there was silverware, metal silverware. In yeah, and they had the red and white yeah. and black tablecloths. There's always at least two arcade machines yeah. over on the side. So we're sitting there in a booth and because my back is always to the action for some reason, always. Like I never see, like I think Dan is completely insane. Yeah. No one ever looks at him. This is why I don't talk about it. Right. It happens far more often than I talk about. Mm -hmm. I don't mention it. I never see it because my back is always to, every time my back is to it. And the few people I've mentioned it to, like this coworker, they started off with, you're nuts. And I had to prove it was true. So, and so I just don't say anything. So we were teenagers. I used to carry a camera around with me as a Nikon. I had a whole bunch of lenses, I had a camera bag and stuff. Yeah. You got an amateur photographer. You were really good at the time. I don't know well, how you, you are. I know you were. I don't know how you are now because I haven't I, seen your stuff lately. But yeah, at I'm, the time, you were really good amateur photographer. I take a lot of nude selfies. I got an OnlyFans. Yeah, okay. So, that, that's, yeah. Okay. But, uh, OnlyFans.com it's slash FTB Chad. It's f***ing art, okay? Yeah, it's called, it's hentai. <laughs> yeah. <and> it's art. <laughs> it's called dancing. It's <laughs> So with his hair, if he's nude, you can't even tell. So oh, we should start an old fear the boot only fans. I don't even know what would be on there. But. <laughs> so anyway, we're at this we're at this pizza hut, right? And I've got my camera bag with me like I usually do. And we're sitting there. We're having some pizza. And Dan's like, this guy is staring at me. And I'm like, OK, because I always say that. Yeah, because yeah, my and because literally my back is to him. like and they are across the restaurant. And you're kind of skeptical by nature. I am. Yeah. And I kind of give a glance and there's two other people in a booth over yonder. And I can't I mean, I would have to stare at him. Dan's like, he just keeps staring at me. And Dan, I, w- I wouldn't say you were getting upset, but you just putting off your feet. You know, sure, yeah. you know, guy was staring at you. It wears you out if any, anything's right. staring at you. And so I. Really, I just get sick of hearing about it. So <laughs> I unzip my camera bag and I hand him my camera with my big ass telephoto lens on it. And I'm like, can take his picture. And so Dan looks at me and this is not something Dan does. Dan is not confrontational. Right? No. I really respect that about you. You're not confrontational. I am. You pick up the camera, you hold it up and this thing's huge and you look right at him. Click. Yeah. <laughs> put down, give it back. You know what? Dan didn't say the guy was staring at him after that. I, I think yeah. he stopped. So. And, yeah, and this camera was one of those, I want pictures of Spider-Man cameras. Right. <laughs> this was not a this little old self. Yeah, this yeah. was an old school camera Film. camera. You had to make, yeah. Yeah, 35 millimeter or whatever. Mm-hmm. This was not, yeah, a modern yeah. little tiny no discreet electronic yeah. See, it was different for me as a teenager because mm-hmm. I was being stared at, but I knew I was being stared at. Because you're so goddamn I, handsome. No, because I was dressed all in black and I had chains and you're I had fangs. more handsome. than his cape. Uh-huh. Yeah, I definitely stood out. Yeah, mm-hmm. Wayne the Dark Lord of Denny's, except without the LARPing. <laughs> yeah, I entirely knew why people were staring at me. Eh, but yeah, I, it would be bad with like anxiety to be thinking sure. that people are staring at you. Except they because are. It, <laughs> because in right. your mind, you're trying to come up with why. And yeah. whatever's in your mind is worse than what's really happening. No, there, there's a real truth of psychology, which is there is the descriptor of paranoid. Mm-hmm. And most people, when they hear that, they presuppose it means something it doesn't. Right. There is the diagnostic term paranoid, which a lot of people they misuse the term hypervigilance that if you are constantly watching the other folks around you and think something is up, 
That's not hypervigilance. Hypervigilance is physical. Like you can't stop pacing the house. Mm. When you are like mentally jacked up, the diagnostic term is paranoid. Now, Nirvana or whoever it was that said it got it right from a clinical standpoint. Just because just just you're be- paranoid that doesn't, doesn't mean, mean they not. really aren't out to get you. Right. And I had a doctor explain that to me once that he said, we're putting down here that you were a paranoid person, but that's not the same as delusionally paranoid. Right. You don't yeah. think men in black choppers are yeah. following you. He's, and it's a long story I don't want to get into, but the point is that I was able to present him with evidence, very, very hard, concrete evidence that certain individuals had it in for me. And when he looked at that, he said, well, the technical term for this is paranoia. That's not the same as delusional paranoia. It is real. Someone who's in a concentration camp is paranoid. Yeah, but it's but it's real. Okay, Mm -hmm. and that's an important distinction we need to make. And delusional paranoia can lead to people actually being out to get you. Yeah. Well, yeah, because where it goes, you can create a self-fulfilling prophecy of sorts. And one of the aspects of most delusional paranoias is a delusion of reference that you think people are more interested in you than they really are. And that's the conundrum of my life is for some reason, people really do everywhere I go, stare at me, focus on me, study me. Mm -hmm. And I don't know why. Well, I don't know what's so interesting about me. If all of this is true. Sure. uh, Okay. That's fine. And I, cause like I said, my back is always doing right. 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 But, I verified this woman was. You did. You I did. never, and I never yeah. doubted him when he described right. it because it wasn't I like he's. Him it wasn't like he was saying this woman's drooling over right. me or this or that. He's just like she's behaving weird. Yeah. So when she comes out, I watch it, and immediately what I was thinking when he says it is maybe she thinks he's cute or something. Yeah. Until I see the facial expression, I was like, that is not a cute look. <laughs> oh no, she wants well, to drive something through his heart. It's it's not like you have facial tattoos. It's not yeah. like you're exceptionally yeah. handsome, John Cavill or something right, like right, that. Right, right, right. You it's don't not, even have the long majestic hair anymore. No. Right. Yeah, I'm a it's very not like you're I'm elephant a, man or ugly. Either. I'm a very average looking yeah. person. You're a quiet person. You're not like trying to grab attention like I am. You're yeah. not loud. You don't have the loud projecting voice. But I mean, you are six three. I say I'm I'm, it, I'm but, but, all, sitting in a, but when in you're a, sitting in a booth, especially because yeah. I have terrible posture. So I'm not just in a booth. I'm slumped over in the booth. It looks like I may be five foot six. Right. And, and it's not like you're a jacked bodybuilder either. No, so I'm, I mean, I'm wearing a nondescript yeah. coat, a nondescript t-shirt, a nondescript set of jeans. Okay. I've got a wolf pendant, but that's not nearly as interesting as the snake pendant I used to wear. Right. Yeah. Cause a lot of, it's a wolf across the room. Yeah. Cause it was interesting. Cause despite being ordained, a lot of people used to think my snake pendant was satanic. And then I would give them all satanic. Yeah. And then I would give them all the references in the Bible where a snake is used either by Christ or to describe Christ. And that would always weird them out. But I at least understood people associate snake with occultic evil. So if I'm wearing all this snake paraphernalia, they assume I must be into some kind of occultic evil or whatever. I'm not wearing a snake anymore. I'm wearing the Witcher pendant right. from the Witcher video games. It wasn't games. even vibrating. So. Yeah, it wasn't vibrate. It probably should have been. <laughs> I'm sure if I had given this chick some dimeridium or something, mm-hmm. it would have forced her yeah. into another form. And then she and I could have had a boss fight. It would have been awesome and fulfilling. <laughs> and, I, and the world would make sense. Because I'd be like, look, this bitch was a lechy. And she and I had a huge boss fight. 
between me and the lecce in the middle of this is really idiosyncratic to anyone who's played witcher yeah but this is the delusion this is where <laughs> and, I, and I don't like this boss fight description because I was sitting between him and her. Yeah. So I'd be caught in the middle of this boss fight. I'm just trying to eat my shrimp tacos. Yeah. That's... Well, no, Wayne, see, if this had actually played out with you, I would have told you to get out of the way. But I'm claiming the right of what is that right in The Witcher where the first thing you set eyes on, you get the is, right of surprise. Yeah. Something like that where you somebody can't pay you so you say i'm gonna walk into your house and the very first thing i see is my payment so wayne i would have just given you that (laughs) i don't even know what in your house i want but i'm assuming you don't carry cash on you or large amounts of cash because nobody does anymore so i would have and i don't have like a square account or something so i would have just you know given you that and then gone on to fight this chick and unfortunately i don't have any silver on me I said, maybe the Witcher pendant itself. I think this might be plated in silver. And uh, I don't know how that fight would have gone, but at least the world would have made sense again. I would have known why she was staring at me because apparently I'm a Witcher and she's a Lechi. You ready for this? Yeah. Ready? This is the smoothest transition in the history of our podcast. (laughs) So that really sets a dark tone. (laughs) Which may or may not be what somebody's going for in a role-playing game. So whoever's running me as a character uh-huh. and whoever's game mastering the fear of the boot characters through their trip to the restaurant, that obligatory you're all eating scene mm-hmm. that is always or usually torturous to role play through. Oh, I disagree completely. No, it can be done right. It's hard to do right. Yeah. The, the fact player that Wayne has more had completely different tones no. in mind. So here's the thing, Wayne. You as a game master. You're a good game master, okay? You're a damn good game master. But the one thing that you have mastered... You're the best! Ah. (laughs) Nobody's going to keep you down. Yeah, I thought this was America. But no, the one thing you've got down as a game master that every other game master attempts and can't do is making the banquet scene interesting. (laughs) The generic we're all eating, whether it's at a royal banquet or in your case, a food truck rally or whatever. <laughs> and it's, food truck rally, restaurants, mm-hmm. picnic, park, every game. Yeah. Every, every game every has game. it. And yeah. every game master Master's. attempts it, and it always sucks. Hey, screw you, man. Well, <laughs> look, I mine suck, too. Mine do not. The only, I think food, the only way I get mine dude, to work... I can make an entire episode about food and gaming and why it's necessary. Okay. So I'm, but it's not this. Right, right. It's not this. Not this one. Like, in Skies of Glass, the AP we had, before our current Blades in the Dark AP, which you can now find on... Apple a- muffins. AP? You do phenomenal food in your game, Sure. Dude. Yeah. But memorable. But it that was, was a decade ago. But it was an NPC who was selling them the... Oh, e- see, you're selling yourself. The right? eating wasn't the RP. It wasn't you guys having dinner at her Pocket house. Pocket ham. But that's food. <laughs> that's, not, that's not the act of having a meal. The most interesting meal that was in the most recent Skies of Glass game was the one that you guys had. I think well, it was with Ethan Winslow. Hold on. Okay, we're because way off Because I am going to start roaring on a food episode here. We'll do a food episode the next time. All right, fine. Chad's controlling my show. I can get fired up about Because I'm too <laughs> spun up over this black-haired chick. Right. To... But So we got to go tone. Tone, 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 tone. 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 All, right. All right. Wayne, tone us. Wayne. <laughs> Okay, so where this comes from, in the Dresden Files game that I'm running, 
we had about a month or so where we didn't get an opportunity to game. Right. A lot of real life things keeping us from the table. Yeah. During this time, I had ended on a cliffhanger. Mm-hmm. The cliffhanger being the white court vampires characters vampires right her sister who is really involved with all the politics and all of that showed up and surprised her so during the course of this month or so i just kept writing and writing and writing the internal politics of the white Mm. court Mm. everyone was doing something for two or three reasons there were lines going everywhere it was it ended up being a six-page document on the politics of the white court. So we come back to the session and we get heavy into this. And as the session's going, I'm realizing the characters are really down. The characters are feeling defeated Mm -hmm. or they're feeling hopeless. And this tone around the table is getting really dark. And I panic. I'm thinking, I don't want to be a depressing GM. Mm -hmm. I don't want to ruin this campaign that I'm loving so much. And so I start trying to liven it up, adding some jokes here and there and doing that. And they weren't working. I mean, they were adding a little levity, but the tone needed to be dark. And it wasn't until the end of the session that I realized I was screwing up by trying to turn it away from the dark. Yeah. Because all of the players, not the characters, the players were leaning into it. They wanted to explore it. They wanted this. And I was getting in their way of what they were trying to explore Because I was too afraid of breaking my game by going dark. And I had a lot of thought about that afterwards. I I actually brought it up to the players right there and said, I was trying to bring this up here and here. I don't think I was quite as open about the fact that I was afraid of becoming the depressing GM or anything (laughs) like that. But it was something I started really worrying about. The tone at the table and just that level of darkness to a game that hadn't had that up so when let me put this in the context of movies because we were talking at dinner about marvel versus dc movies and one of the things that a lot of people toss back and forth in that stupid little petty war that's going on is i mean because i don't get why you just can't take both sets of movies on their own terms Mm -hmm. but whatever i would if they were both good well uh oh but people got to play, you know, people got to play team sports. That's how it is. Yeah. I enjoy both. I enjoy the Marvel movies and I enjoy the DC movies. Not all of them. Yes, I can fully admit DC had some bad movies. A lot of their best work, I think, is when you go get the DVDs with the extended cuts and all that crap. Not what you see in the theaters. Whatever. Different story for a different time. But one of the complaints raised about the DC movies is... They're not fun enough. They're not colorful. They're not zany. They're much more grim and serious. Yeah, they have a really dark tone to them. And I've seen from the DC movie fan people, their complaint, the Marvel ones are too light. Yeah. They're too fun. They're too exactly that they can't take the risk seriously with one liners. Let's take a movie within the DC universe that went over fairly well with the vast majority of people which is the Walking Phoenix Joker movie. All right, now I realize not everybody liked it, and that's fine. But it overall got a very positive reception. That movie's a head trip. Well, say, in that movie, among many things that I could say about it, it's not fun. No. But it is profoundly enjoyable. 
It's not colorful. It's not zany. It doesn't have a lot of laugh out loud moments. It's not fun, right? It's not Mm -hmm. campy. It's not all the things that most Marvel movies are. And I'm not downing Marvel movies. I enjoy the Marvel movies. But it wasn't all those things, and yet it was still a really good movie. I could give you other movies like that. There was a movie I was mentioning at dinner, which is a Netflix original movie called Horse Girl, that I think is a really good movie. And unfortunately, I can't tell you what it's about because any explanation would spoil it. But it's a really good movie. This movie is not fun. It is actually at points very difficult to watch. Well, and even but the Marvel is, movies have different tones between the movies. A Captain America movie versus a Guardians of the Galaxy. Mm-hmm. Captain America, at least after maybe not as much the first one, but you know, Captain America, Winter Soldier, and Civil War, they had a much darker tone to them. They yeah. didn't have as much mm-hmm. one-liners versus the Guardians of the Galaxy is all jokes and one-liners and happiness and yeah. A Civil War, let's take that as an example. In a lot of movies, you need that suspension of disbelief. We care about this fight because they're going to collect magic stones that are allow somebody to wipe out half of all living things in the universe, right? Okay, it's nonsense, but within that suspension of disbelief, in that universe, there's an internal consistency that that's true, and we get it. Civil War, what did the final fight come down to? Captain America's trying to talk Tony Stark out of the fight with him and Bucky. And Tony looks Captain America in the face and says, Steve, he killed my mom. Okay. Now, I'll assume most people listening to this have not had their mom murdered. I'm sure some people have, and my heart goes out to you. But we can all get what we would feel if it turned out that in my situation, let's say Wayne's best friend was the guy that murdered my mom. I can get that. I don't have to go to an imaginary universe to understand what that would feel like. And taking it one step further, I found out and didn't tell you. Yeah. (laughs) Because that also was part of the fight. The fight was personal. Yeah. It was very personal. And it wasn't about any weird, grandiose thing. You did not have to explain that moment to anyone. When I was watching those movies, I was oftentimes going with people that weren't into nerddom, weren't into the comics, and they didn't understand what those scenes were about. But on that one, when he said, he killed my mom, there is nobody I had to turn to on my left or right and explain mm. that scene to. And well, it, in 1983, <laughs> Stan Lee had this character do this. Yeah, no, people get it. Yeah. And... I think it, it, it wasn't like the first time they showed Thanos and I had to explain to everyone around me who Thanos was. Yeah. yeah. He's the guy with the helicopter. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and that, that's the fundamental thing with storytelling. It, it doesn't matter if it's dark or light or whatever. Like in a role playing game, is the story good and is your audience connecting with it? Yes. I, I don't even want to say enjoying it because like engaged. Engaged. I think, yeah. Let's say The Passion of Christ, the movie. Sure. That's not fun. (laughs) No, I am very glad I saw the movie. I think it is an excellent, well-made movie. I did not enjoy it because I'm not supposed to enjoy it. Yeah. I'm not even, not even a religious thing. I mean, it's about torture and it's very visceral and graphic. I'll throw another one out there. The first season of game of Thrones because I didn't watch any more than the first season. I liked the first season. There's a lot going on with politics, the Mm. show and all. It is an incredibly difficult show to watch, sure. and it is not fun. And that's why I didn't watch the rest, because I ended up in a mental place yeah. at that point in my life 
I didn't want to subject myself Don through something hard it. to watch. Don and I were watching it, and they're doing like a purge of all the bastards of this king who died, so there's no no one threatening the throne, and they kill a baby. And Don's like, out, done, nope. And I'm like, yeah, okay, fair. And then we saw. So, but with tone in a role-playing game, the problem that you had had, which was not a problem with the game, but internally yeah. that you had. This was me mentally trying yeah. to... I was afraid of something happening that wasn't happening. Yeah. And I ended up trying to block my own gaming. Yeah. And the, the thing about it is that the obvious advice is, well, find out what your players want and kind of try and deliver that to the players. If players are happy and blah. I actually reject that. I completely, when it comes to tone and theme and that sort of thing, I completely reject doing what the players want as a game master. Because I believe being true to yourself and telling a good story engages them. Yeah. And that's what you have to do. Yeah. I couldn't tell the story I was trying to tell in a light manner. Yes. There's too much dark going on with white court vampire politics. And I needed it to be dark. And if your players are not engaging and don't like the story you're telling, well, then you, you roll that back. Then you start analyzing that. I do not think that the, the sort of obvious answer is, well, you should have a session zero and find out if your players want a comedy game and then you should run a happy comedy game. And it is very obvious advice. And I think it's the wrong advice. I think that you should be honest with your players at the start at the, the sort of session zero and say, what kind of game do you want? Well, we want action and we want high seas adventure. We want to be cowboys versus aliens, all that. I'm like, cool, cool, cool. And, you know, obviously they can, they have opinions of, well, we want little bit of comedy but we kind of want a lot of seriousness like okay i'll i'll take that under advisement but ultimately as a game master you have to have the freedom to tell your story just like the whole golden box thing the players have to have the freedom to be able to play their characters without their characters being screwed over well and i think that's where a disconnect gets made is game masters are chasing the wrong adjective for their games Mm -hmm. They want their games to be fun mm-hmm. or enjoyable, but that's not the same as engaging. Right. And there are a lot of forms of media that I have consumed, movies, books, TV shows, role-playing games, whatever, where I would not describe the experience as fun but that did not change the fact that it was engaging. Mm -hmm. And if someone had thrown in a slapstick moment, it would have felt wildly out of place. If there had been a slapstick moment in the Joaquin Phoenix version of Joker, it would have felt profoundly out of place, especially farther into the movie Mm -hmm. as his mental illnesses get worse and worse and worse. And I'm grateful I didn't cross at least I don't think I crossed no. that line. I threw in lighter and comedic moments, but yeah. I never went sure. slapstick or over and, the top. And then there's, yeah. and I'm not against variety in stories. If we look at the well, sky, you have to balance. Yeah, you have to have the tension. If we look at the skies of glass Absolutely. game, there were some funny moments. Yeah, but the game overall was not comedic, and a lot of parts of it were not quote unquote fun. When Max was crushing the feet of Wayne's sister that's not fun 
you know, but that was an engaging part of the story the that other, played into the later plot. On the other side of it, too, if you run a comedy game, you have to make things matter. You have to apply tension. Yeah. I ran a game of Lasers and Feelings of Fear the Con. And, you know, it was hilarious. Our faces hurt. We were laughing so much. It was like joke, 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 joke. But, Dan, if you remember that game, it was wild and zany. The whole thing was a Mexican drama sci-fi. It it was a Mexican knockoff of Star Trek. And then, you know, we had film crews and everything, but the the players... And even a sponsor. Even a a boilless cornbread. Boilless cornbread. (laughs) But the players were playing the actors, but they were playing them as if it's not a TV show. It's totally legit, but anything that happens is cool. There was like these fights and there was this tension and stuff. And the fights spilled over into the luchador wrestling match. Yeah. And bizarro, right? Bizarro, ridiculous. My character's finishing move, like his Mm -hmm. ultimate whatever, his his stone cold elbow or whatever the hell, (laughs) was he could call in the actual starship, their version of the Enterprise, to... Get in the ring and fight. So, I think it was Derek who's playing. Well, and for all the people out there screaming, yes, we know it's the Stone Cold Stunner. And <laughs> Wayne knows it's the Stone yes. Cold Stunner. And the whole thing was the elbow's the people's elbow. That oh, was the rock. That was the rock. Okay. You had that to, would usually come after the rock bottom. You guys had to impress El Santo, the saint, yeah. which is the huge, gigantic. That's the Luchadora Hulk Hogan. I mean, he's not like Hulk Hogan, but that's the level of popularity. Yo, wrestler, mass wrestler they have is the saint. The reason I put that in there, instead of just you guys rolling in like the three stooges and slapping these luchadors around and the ship comes down and you just don't, none of the comedy hits, right? If it's just joke, 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 that's all it is. Just joke, 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 yeah, joke. Yeah. But if you guys are making all these jokes and doing all this crazy stuff and in a way that matters, it was not just a wrestling match that you rolled into. It was the wrestling match and the saint was judging it and you had to win. And it was against your nemesis. If you just remove the wacky stuff and put a different spin on, I mean, this could get dark and serious, right? But it's the contrast of that little bit of, of tension that makes the jokes pop, right? On the other hand, too, when you're doing a dark game like you did, Wayne, where you add in a little bit of humor and a little bit of lightness to it, it makes the darkness really pop too. But it also, tension can be too much. Tension can either be too much to where you just freak out and say, I- I'm not winning and this sucks, or it's, I, I see the monster. I'm watching a two-hour monster movie and I see one hour and 59 minutes of the monster. The monster's not scary. It's like that for tension. The tension is there too much, so you need that little bit of humor or lightness to kind of pull that back down yeah it's why the movie alien almost never showed the alien right and when it did it was always in quick shots quick run bys you know Mm -hmm. this was not something that you could focus you saw the fear you saw the reaction you saw the damage yeah and you saw maybe a quick flash of a black shaded alien that was moving around in the background and you never really got a good lock on what was actually occurring. And, you know, this works both ways. Let's take the example of what I'll call a psychological thriller of not psychological horror movie, which is horse girl. 
And the movie starts off with a woman who is really into horses and is kind of dorky and is having trouble finding a boyfriend. And she works at a craft store where people kind of get her because they're all crafty and quirky too. Right. Very lighthearted. It's not a lighthearted movie. Right. And similarly, I could look at a movie like Dodgeball. It's a comedy movie. But what's the movie fundamentally about? It's about a bunch of regular people who have their own dysfunctions and issues who are trying to keep an independent gym operational in the face of these large mega corporations and people that are total fitness nuts and, and whatever. You know, it's this monolithic Kafka-esque or, or whatever sort of machine that they're trying to resist. It's a comedy movie, but the setup to it if you really think about it in the abstract, isn't exactly funny. Mm -hmm. And that's okay because some would say in the reality, it's not very funny either, but, but well, yeah, (laughs) but but the point is very quotable. The point is though, that how does comedy work? It's a version of expectation. Yep. How does horror work? It's a version of expectation. Mm -hmm. If you saw it coming, it really lacks the punch of when you didn't see it coming. You know, and it's okay for a game master to have a game that isn't fitting the emotional profile they were looking for, as long as everyone at the table, players and game master alike, are enjoying it. And I think that rolling back to Wayne's example here with his game, it's a matter of you were worried, you were concerned that you were going too dark. And then you were going too light. And that is a real concern, right? Because we're talking about changing the levels of the tension. We're changing, adding a little bit of humor, removing a little bit of humor. But what you were concerned with was not that. What you were concerned with was, I am all dark all the time. Yeah. And that is how it's going to be thought of. And I think that's a legitimate concern. Not for you, just in general. Or you're the comedy slapstick sort of GM where you only run silly games and you know no one takes you seriously that that's a concern that's something I don't know if everyone worries about but it's something I worry about a lot I've been doing some one shots with people lately and I kind of keep in mind have I only done a funnier lighter character with this person yeah well then I want to do a more serious one next time mm-hmm. and I've tried to do some of that because I get that in my head of people will only think of you as the funny guy or the your characters don't have as much depth or right. you're the grim, dark, serious guy. I don't want to be any of that. I want to show that I have range. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, and I think that's part of it is if you look at what makes good stories work, and it's not always this, but it's oftentimes deviation from a baseline. Okay, let me give an example. The Will Smith movie, Bright. Loved it. Yes. yes. It was more or less a Shadowrun movie if Yes. Yeah. I say, if you want to see a Shadowrun movie, because they've not made one, an actual one yet, go watch Bright. And Well, Bright was good. Shadowrun isn't. Well, I like both. <laughs> but the point being that nobody, presumably, hmm. was all that shocked when Will Smith encountered elves and orcs. Yeah. They're, they're part of that world. And they set it up in the opening credits. Yeah. yeah. Where they establish it through graffiti. Uh, I could actually go on its big analysis about how wonderful that movie is, how awesome it is. It's just there. It's part of their world. You don't have... You were introduced to it without being told it in the opening credits with 
just images and you that expect fit within it. the thing. When, yeah, it, when elves neat. show up and orcs show up, now they do develop later. There's also a class issue around yes. it where elves are the lower, or excuse me, elves are the super snobby upper class. Orcs are the... There's class divisions amongst the orcs Yeah, as well. the, the orcs are mostly lower class. The humans seem to take up most of the middle class. And pixies are treated as pests. Yeah, and mm-hmm. pixies are considered pests, which that was funny because that wasn't introduced. So you have this pixie who you think of as this wonderful, magical, wish-granting, whatever-the-hell creature, and Will Smith's out there trying to slap it with a fly swat or <laughs> spray it with pesticide or whatever it was he was trying to do. And it's you didn't see that coming because that wasn't a setup of the world, right? And what the plot of Bright is, and I won't tell it in case anyone wants to go watch it. You should. But which you should, yeah. Yeah, you should watch it. it. It's a deviation from the norm of how that world is described. Mm-hmm. Things are occurring that are not normative to that world. Hellboy is another example. The setup of the Hellboy story is there's a neutral to good aligned demon who is raised by humans. That is Hellboy, who's surrounded by a group of freaks and weirdos. But what he is dealing with is a deviation from even that norm. Mm-hmm. And that's wherein the surprise and the excitement of the story lies. It's not in keeping to a very narrow set of definitions, but it's in being able to tell something that surprises the audience and engages the audience without breaking your internal consistency. You know, they did not have to, for example, in bright, which was modern fantasy, urban fantasy, mm-hmm. whatever you want to call it. They didn't have to introduce Unicron as much as I wish they <laughs> would have to make the story interesting. You know, they were able to make the story interesting within the context of the things that they had created. Chad, your current blades in the dark game. I expect comedy to be the deviation, not the norm. Mm -hmm. Yet, if there is no comedy in a game, I can feel profoundly engaged by it. I mean, we played games of Skies of Glass, like the one where (laughs) Eric's character committed suicide. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That was a heavy game. There was nothing funny about that game, but it was a powerful and engaging game session. Mm -hmm. And... I cannot stress enough, if you take nothing else away from this episode, take this, that as a game master or as a player, you judge the success of a game by whether it engaged you, not by whether it fit this artificial list of criteria, mm-hmm. that it wasn't fun and colorful and blah, blah, blah. I remember when the Christopher Nolan Batman movies came out, that Chad and I were both reading the early reviews, and... We knew we were going to love it yeah. the minute the reviewers panned it. Not because they panned it, but because the reason they panned it is they were pissed off it was the Dark Knight, not the Cape Crusader. It wasn't fun. Mm-hmm. It wasn't campy. Yeah. It was a serious, gritty Batman movie. And Chad and I were both like, great, this is going to be awesome. Yeah. And it was. It was a fantastic movie. The first Raimi Spider-Man movie. Roger Ebert said, oh, yeah. I hate it because it's too comic booky. I went out, I'm like, fantastic. And I bought a it's ticket. It's a Spider-Man it. movie. I saw it immediately yeah. as soon as he said that. It's a Spider-Man movie. You, you, I mean, yes, you can tell darker Spider-Man stories, mm-hmm. but... Why would you want to? Well, I don't know. Some of, I, I thought some of the Andrew Garfield it's, stuff got a little dark. And I thought it was really good. Yeah, there but, are some good dark Spider-Man stories out there. 
they are the deviation though. Yeah. yeah. You want to set the baseline first before you do a deviation. But getting back to the more role playing aspect of it though, I think that if I had advice for anyone who sits there like what Wayne had went through of, oh, am I being too dark? Well, am I being too happy? Am I being too light? Am I being too calm? Being too jokey? Roll back, peel back a layer. And because what you're asking yourself is, am I screwing this up for the players? You know, am I being too this for them? Are they not having fun because I'm doing this? You don't know. You can't read their mind. And when you ask them how the game is, they're going to lie to you. So, so what you have to do is you have to roll back and you have to say, what do I need to do to tell this story? Yeah. What do I need to tell them this story? Do I need it to be dark right now? Do I need it to be lighter? I'm a good storyteller, meaning you, the people who are listening, you are the game masters. You are a good storyteller. So you're a good storyteller. So you know when to adjust those dials and when to put a little lightness in it, when to put a little heaviness in it. Because if you're writing a book, say, you don't know what your audience is feeling. You no. know what you feel. Right. But you don't know what your audience feels. And so you can't really sit there and go, how am I going to impress a soccer mom in Wisconsin? <laughs> <laughs> no. How am I going to tell this story? The same thing is true for a role-playing game. Yeah. I will say it from a little different perspective of, you said, you know, don't, when you ask the players, they're just going to say everything's okay. Right. I, I, I will say, I brought up the conversation afterwards, but it wasn't a, how was the game session thing? Yeah. I specifically brought up, here's what I saw and did, and I was worried about the tone. Yeah. I think if you are a lot more direct with your question... Mm-hmm you're going to be more likely to get an answer you can use. Yeah. If you give a big open-ended question, you're going to get, oh, everything's fine. It was great. Mm-hmm. But if you specifically say, hey, guys, I was thinking about the tone. What do you think? Is the tone the right level? Is it a little high? Is it a little low? But be very specific with your question. Yeah. I think you can get actual I, I feedback. Say, I agree with that. I think specific questions I'm are good advice. Because if you just say something open, like, what did you think? I don't know if people even have formulated response to that. If you even say something like, did you enjoy that? I think most people are afraid of saying no because they're afraid of saying, well, if I didn't enjoy it, then therefore you suck as a GM and that's not what I'm trying to communicate. But I, I think you're right to ask more specific questions such as, what did you think of the tone? Were you able to express the parts of your character you wanted to? Was this the story you expected? I tried this weird thing here. I think it worked. Or I tried this weird thing here. I'm not so sure that worked. Do you guys think it worked? Should I try that again? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and the other thing I realized at the end of the night was it couldn't have gotten as dark as it did if the players weren't invested. Right. If the players were not so tied into the characters and the game and had that immersion and investment it would have never gotten that dark because then the one-liners would have started coming out from the players the joking would have started coming out it wouldn't have been able to get to that point if the players weren't on board with it yeah it's pretty easy to tell if you're paying attention whether the players are bought into what you're doing because if they're either getting really uncomfortable or really artificial with you like maybe they're trying to play along but Mm -hmm. don't follow then they've probably lost the plot here. And when I say lost plot, I mean that 
metaphorically, they've lost where this or, is headed. Or literally. Or maybe mm-hmm. literally, yeah. It was one of those but things where... But if they're jumping into it, and they're engaged in it, and they're participating in it, well, then apparently it's not just you that's on this journey. Yeah. It was one of those things where my brain was lying to me, and I needed a reality check. Mm-hmm. The reality check came from having the conversation with the players and then thinking back critically, not emotionally, yeah. at what I saw around the table. And the next session was also a very dark session, but I didn't have the same worries and fears yeah, because I had had the conversation and I had thought about it and I realized this was what the players have signed up for at this point. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean the whole campaign is going to be like that. This story, however many sessions this particular dealing with this situation is, is going to be dark and exploring that darkness. And then the tone for whatever's next is going to be something different. Yeah. I think you did really well, too. I I, I do like the advice of not asking, well, what did you guys think? Because I have a lot of trouble with that one. Because that's what I do. I was like, okay, what do you guys think? Oh, it was great. No, no, it wasn't. (laughs) This was one of my poor games so uh let's get some real feedback but what you did though perception is very interesting to me people have different perceptions of of what goes on like you said at that point your brain was lying to you and it was this sort of like wild swings Mm -hmm. and when you asked me the question when you asked us the question my answer was i believe i this is why i said i don't exactly remember but basically it was like no you did great because it was dark but you, you slipped in some of the comedy because you had to lighten it here and there. And I I didn't notice a wild swing. I thought it was really good. And it was really good. It's like you said, it, being a game master is difficult. You know, difficult for different reasons. You're trying to please these other people. And really, I don't think you should be trying to please them. I think you should be trying to tell them a great story that they are pleased by. I think that you have perceptions and I have perceptions about how good and how bad I am and how good and bad you are. And I think that you try to balance that as a game master. You, you, you try to make up for that, but your perceptions are screwed. Yeah. My, all of yeah. our, and I don't mean you, I mean, all of our perceptions are screwed up. Well, the bad is really bad and the good is really good. And it's just like, yeah, it's probably actually somewhere in the middle, but don't bump. You know, I'm going to close this out on a, an anecdote of this, which is there's a Battletech game that we had years back. Where people are staring at you? Yeah, where <laughs> random people from restaurants are staring at me. But also, people within the gaming group. It was not the story that I had set out to tell. It was not the tone that I had set out to cover. And therefore, to me, I assumed the game must be going poorly. Partially because it wasn't the story I wanted to tell, but also because of the fact that it was deviating from what I said I would tell. I began to assume that this must be a flop overall. And then I find out later that no, my players were actually really enjoying it. The fact that it deviated from what I intended or what I expected does not mean it was bad. And that's the word of both encouragement and admonition that I give to game masters out there is Once again, remember your story doesn't have to be what you expected. It doesn't. And that could include any number of adjectives you want. Maybe you set out to tell a horror story and it became funny. Maybe you set out to tell a comedy story and became a horror story. Whatever. It doesn't matter. But if it is engaging, then it is working. 
It doesn't have to be anything but compelling to be a functional story. And I want you guys to give yourself that freedom that just because what hatches out of that egg is not what you expected doesn't mean it's a bad thing. And so, you know, that's one of the things I think I would leave this on. Other than that, I don't think there's anything in the show notes. So, hey, just have a good week and great games and uh, tell your story. Yeah, tell your story. And as always, we will catch you next time with Pope jokes and a food episode. Bitches staring at me. And bitches staring at me. This has been a production of Fear the Boot. Copyright 2021. Listeners are free to use this episode in a non-commercial endeavor, so long as credit is provided to feartheboot.com. You can find previous episodes and other resources at feartheboot.com. If you wish to support this show and its related endeavors, you can do so at patreon.com slash feartheboot.